Okay. Why don't we go ahead? It's a couple. It's a minute or two. Um, let's go ahead and <clears throat> start with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your presence with us throughout the day. Lord, we're just grateful that we can know you, the God of the universe, and that you speak to us and prompt our hearts, and you are present with us. We know you're present here this evening, and we pray that you would be with us as we continue our study. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, the plan is, um, somebody help me out here with, um, the, what, what is today? What is it? Yeah, I know it's a Wednesday, but um, what's the date? Oh yeah, okay. Um, so we've got, I've got, we've got tonight, and then I'm going to be gone uh, the first yeah, it's going to be the first Wednesday in March. I think it's the 6th, okay? Um, and so I'm probably going to have, I don't know how many of you know Corey Hunter, um, but I'm going to, I talked to him today about filling in for me if he can. He's, um, <clears throat> he's a pharmacist at Smith's, and they've lost a couple of pharmacists, so it's tough for him to get off. But anyway... Um, if he can cover that, and I'm trying to figure out which cult to give him so we won't have to do a whole bunch of studying for it, okay? But we're going to do Jehovah's Witness starting tonight, and I, th I don't know if we'll get through it or not. Um, Mormonism took us three Wednesdays. This won't. Um, but at any rate, we'll try to figure out. I think, um, you know, I asked you of a couple of uh, cults that I thought were kind of iffy, um, as far as whether to study them or not. Um, one was Christian science. And I, they, they, they're sort of faded, I think. But I, so I don't know whether we ought to mess with that or not. Um, Scientology is another one I didn't mention, but I, that is current enough and, you know, um, something we probably ought to be somewhat <coughs> familiar with. Um, <coughs> but... You know, the difficulty, I've taught all these cults before, but, you know, you, it's been some years since I've done it, so when you go back through it, you realize, you realize how difficult it is to teach it because I'm assuming that I'm logical and I'm assuming that you know, most of you here are logical. Um, and these cults are nuts. And so it's hard. It's hard to keep it all straight. And some of them share some of the thing, same kinds of doctrines. And it's, it's just hard to um, really get a, get a hold of it. But at any rate, <clears throat> uh, Jehovah's Witness is what we'll start on tonight and kind of use the, the same um, outline, look at the history first, then look at the, the doctrines. The history uh, usually has something to do with the doctrines also. But anyway, the historical background of Jehovah's Witnesses, <clears throat> um, the, the founder was a guy named 
um, Charles Taze, T-A-Z-E, Russell. Initially, for some of their history, they were called Russellites. Um, but Charles Taze Russell was born in 1852. Um, he, around 18 years of age, there's not a lot, I don't know why or whatever, but at age 18, he discovered that there was, um, he, he, there was no hell. Um, he determined that he didn't believe in hell, didn't believe in eternal punishment of any kind, and so he rejected the whole concept. He ends up going to, he ends up going to um, Pittsburgh, okay? And he gets a little Bible study going, and <clears throat> that was in 18, early 1870s, um, like 74 or 5. And uh, I think he had no more than, you know, 20 um, people in it. But they were so mesmerized with, you know, him that they, I think it was 1876 or whatever, they held a formal vote. They didn't really organize as, quote, a church, but they, they elected him to be their, quote, pastor and voted to confer the title of pastor on him. From there on out, he was known as Pastor Russell. He didn't have a shred of a piece of paper of any kind of credential or any education whatsoever um, that would they would give him a title. But at any rate, um, <clears throat> so in 1879, um, the f the first real organization took place. And you'll recognize some of this. The name has shifted around a bit. But in 1879, um, he founded what was called Zion's Watchtower. Now, everybody's heard of the Watchtower, probably. Um, and that was not, that was, in a sense, <coughs> incorporated. But it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't an organization. It was a publication. Okay. So he started out <coughs> publishing what was called then Zion's um, Watchtower. Then uh, today they're known uh, under a couple names, but the Watchtower um, formal name, the Watchtower Announcing Jehovah's Kingdom, but nobody knows them as that. Um, the publication itself is still put out. And it's just, it is um, the watchtower, okay? Now, um, you used to see a lot of them, a lot of those magazines. You would see them in public places. You'd see them in doctor's offices. Um, you, and they, they seemed, um, up until fairly recently, to do an awful lot of door-to-door -door calling. That's always been uh, a requirement, of theirs it's part of their quote service to jehovah's kingdom is and they call the people um that come to your door publishers they're publishing the gospel according to them um so anyway <clears throat> um then they um i think they changed again today um the more 
um, I think the tower, the watchtower newspaper has on its head, um, headline is uh, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, T-R-A-C-T. That's the current, um, what would you call it, generic name for them, Watchtower um, Bible and Tract, so forth. Okay. Um, in 86... 1886, Russell, um, who basically had no education, wrote six volumes, okay? And they were called Studies in the Scripture. It's like a big commentary um, on the Scripture. And the Russellites then, and later Jehovah's Witness, basically used that is their Rosetta Stone for interpreting Scripture. So, and he made it clear, um, he's, he made the statement that the six volumes of the, um, the Scripture or <clears throat> studies in the Scripture he, he, this guy had no ego at all. He was very humble. He called them um, practically the Bible. <laughs> okay? So studies in Scripture are, and he made the point that if you read as much or more in studies in, of the Scripture as you do in the actual Bible, it's fine because you're pretty much reading the same thing. Okay? Um, <clears throat> now, We'll look uh, at a little bit. He moved, he, in 1908, he moved the headquarters of Brooklyn, New York, where they still are today, okay? Um, now, Russell was an interesting character. First of all, he denied nearly every single cardinal doctrine of the Christian faith. We'll look at that uh, a little bit later. Um, he was a notorious liar, and snake oil salesman, salesman, okay? There was a, uh, a newspaper out of New York, long gone now, but it was called The Eagle, okay? Um, I guess it was a prominent paper then. And they got a hold of what he was up to, and they began printing unsavory articles about him. The first thing that caught their eye was he came up with, um, I think it was a dollar a pound or a dollar a quart, but this is in, still in the 1880s and 90s. Miracle wheat, okay? And miracle wheat would, was guaranteed to grow five times more than uh, normal wheat, okay? Well, the government even got involved um, because people found out after they paid a dollar, which, you know, I think it was probably, what, a dollar for a week's work? I mean, it was a lot of money. Um, and so when it didn't produce like he guaranteed that it would produce, there were some, you know, small claims court and that kind of stuff that got going on. The newspaper got a hold of it and began writing a, that this guy's a fraud, this religion's a fraud. And so what he ended up doing was sort of, well, he shot himself in the foot because he was 
a really uh, litigious sort of guy, and so he sued all these people for defamation. Well, he put his neck in a noose because he claimed he knew Greek, he knew Hebrew, he knew Latin, um, and that he you know, was extensively educated. Um, and in the course of it, he ended up, they got access, the courts got access um, to the books. Well, he was the sole, I think he had some, somehow, he issued a thousand shares in the Watchtower, Zion, whatever, okay? So he owned the whole corporation. There, was, there were 10 shares, 990 of them he held, 10 shares a couple of guys in the church held, that, you know, that he, some of his followers. So basically, he was the corporation. He handled all the money, Every bit of money flowed into his, his bank account. Okay? So he rapidly really began to pile up some money. Um, and he would also, he went around the United States, but, but by then you're looking at almost the turn of the century, 1900s. You can't hide as much as you could have 50 years earlier when the country was wide open, wild, no railroad much, you know. But so he began for a while to uh, publish these um, in, in his own newspapers and getting other newspapers to publish it. He would send these news releases, Charles Russell. Um, Charles Russell went to Omaha and, you know, preached in the open air at the fairgrounds. Thousands of people attended. Everyone said they were deeply impressed and he'd make all this stuff up. Well, he never even went to Omaha. Okay? But they caught up with him enough being in America that he, he decided to do an international tour. Okay? First place he goes, um, and he's got money to do this. He leaves San Francisco where he apparently, he had a fantastic crusade that no one knew about and gets on a you know tramp steamer and he goes to Honolulu and so in there he gets I don't know if he made them up totally or whatever but he gets these news flashes that he telegraphs you know telegram from Honolulu back to papers in the US again Large audiences, you know, um, held them spellbound, all this kind of stuff. And so in these trials that he kept having, where he's suing people for defamation, he, I mean, he's dumber than a rock to, to sue people for defaming him by saying, you're a fraud and these meetings aren't even being held. Well, all I got to do is look at the steamer's schedule and in one of his lawsuits over this Honolulu deal, it came out that they were only in port for half an hour. Just long enough, it said, to take on coal for this steamship. And then they went to Japan or Philippines or someplace. So the, the two-day meeting, three-day meeting that he claimed, they were there for, for a half hour. He didn't even get off the boat. 
Well, all this, you know, came out. And of course, it was all the devil. And, you know, they were being persecuted. Um, and he, so even though they started out, Russell started out as a bitter and very hostile to what he, he um, dubbed it, organized religion. He just lumped everybody but him into organized religion. And they were just horrible people. What did you say? Disorganized. Yes, exactly. Um, so, anyway, <clears throat> well, he comes back, settles in at the new headquarters in um, New York, <clears throat> and um, he ended up getting married. Well, divorce... This, by, by now, it's 1904 or 5. Divorce then was just, you just didn't do it, okay? Well, he ends up uh, marrying some sort of a socialite um, who I think had her eye on his money. But at any rate, it didn't last very long, just several years. Then they separated, and then they finally got a divorce, and there were... Um, you know, salacious stories going back and forth about who did what and whatever. Um, which, especially in that day, didn't help the reputation of the Jehovah's Witnesses because uh, you just, divorce was, just wasn't to be done, okay? Um, <clears throat> let's see here. Some of this I can... Um, well, another thing, with his wife, um, he also continued to counter-sue and made a, the, the um, papers carried all the details of the financial arrangements. It took like two years, maybe it was three, to settle. And they settled, he paid her like $6,308, okay? It was that kind of a settlement. No alimony, just, to, you know... Um, Apparently, that's all it took to get rid of her. But um, <clears throat> anyway, all of this continued to give him this persecution complex, and he, he played that uh, to the hilt. It was the victim, you know, and it's, uh, it's for the cause of Jehovah. Um, and I'm being, you know, religiously um, <clears throat> persecuted, and he blamed, of course, the quote organized um, religions for this persecution. Okay, now um, that's the original history. In I can't remember when he died. It was a very sad day, but um, it was in the early teens, nineteen teens, and then a much smarter. Slicker, um, uh, better flim-flam man took over. His name, he was, a, he was in some little burg somewhere, um, upstate New York or somewhere, but he had been like the local justice of the peace, dog catcher, and all in one, okay? He had one of the, back then, you, you, you know, you could 
do a correspondence course and become a judge or become a lawyer. So he had become a lawyer through that means, and he had served as, you know, the dog catcher and the um, justice of the peace. So he took the title of judge, and his name was uh, Judge Rutherford. Okay, now Rutherford outdid Russell as far as growing the thing, um, and you know, trying to, he was a good PR man, and he was somewhat educated, so he wasn't a dunce like Russell was, okay? Um, but both of them, by the way, Russell, claiming that he knew all these languages, there's, in one of the books I was, you know, researching in, um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> they were questioning him. They were bringing... Uh, Greek New Testament sections, you know, verse or two, um, and showing them to him on the stand. And, you know, do you, and then Hebrew took something out of Genesis. And it was kind of like, <laughs> when, I, when I was in seminary, I, I think I had, I had it rough. I pastored full-time, and I was pastoring a massive megachurch um, of 40 to 35 to 40 people. And this was a church that had never gotten over that in 25 years. They were, always, they were pastor, um, what do they call it, student pastor. Three years out, three years out. It was 30 years old when they sent me there. I was the first person to be assigned back to that church for a fourth year. Okay. Everybody just three and they're gone. You know, it was you put your time in. You had a ramshackle parsonage with, um, in Oregon, slugs everywhere underneath the kitchen sink. Um, anyway, but you had a house, and you know even if it was twenty dollars a week they paid you or whatever, you know you lived. Okay, and the seminary was ten minute drive. So anyway. Um, <clears throat> Now I forgot why I was going to, see, I got too far off. It'll come back to me. Um, <clears throat> maybe. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> Rutherford then, Rutherford took things um, much farther. Oh, I know what I was going to say. We had a test in Greek class, and the teacher called on me, and I wasn't prepared. But fortunately, it was on uh, Luke 2, first couple of verses of Luke 2. You know, in the, what was it? It's, you know, and the shepherds were in, out in the fields. And, you know, well, so I, <laughs> I, st I started translating that. The sad fact was I, I did it in King James language, because that was the only thing that I, you know, that's what I grew up on and memorized. So he stopped the class and he said, I, I, <laughs> I think you're not prepared, but you must have practiced for, you know, the Christmas narration that's coming up in a month or two. But anyway, that's what they did with both Russell and then later with Rutherford, who claimed the same thing. He said, I know all the dead languages, Latin, you know, and then current ones, the Greek and Hebrew, Old Testament's in Hebrew, New Testament's in Greek. 
Well, in both cases, separated by some years in different trials, of course, they asked these guys, translate this Greek. Uh, you know, which, which line? Yeah, I've, got, I've seen the exchanges. Which line? Uh, you know, the second line. Uh, you, mean, you mean this? And, you know, they'd stall off and say, the, ju- the lawyer would ask again, do you, can you, do you know Greek? Stumble around, the judge says, answer the question. Yes, I do. So, okay, if you do then, translate this verse. Well, back and forth, finally, they said, you don't know the Greek, do you? No. Um, same thing with both of these guys, Russell and then Rutherford. Um, anyway, um, Rutherford then was, though, more eloquent. And he, was, he was smoother. He was a snake oil salesman, but he was better at it. Um, so he also, there was a split in the Jehovah's Witness, and I can't remember, that was in the, well, it was after Russell died, because some of Russell's writings were, there, even the preserved ones and the ones that, that we'll look at, that his doctrinal thinking was um, patently insane. But it was, in some cases, even worse than that. So Rutherford tried to modify some of the things that Russell said and, you know, redo um, studies in the Scripture, the six-volume deal. Well, that made some Russellites, old-timers, charter members mad. And so they had a split. The vast majority stayed with Rutherford. And the others, and I can't remember what they called themselves, um, but they took some different name. It still had Watchtower in it, but a bunch of different words. So anyway, um, they had that (coughs) little um, blow up. Their hostility to what was called, what they called um, organized religion just continued to get worse. I would say today, um, we just finished the Mormons. The Mormons are uh, smilingly hostile to evangelical Christian because Christianity because they're trying to present themselves as, oh, we're just like you, which is absolutely not true. But they are... They're, they're better at saying, oh, we're just like you. The Jehovah's Witnesses haven't changed at all. They are ultra-secretive, interestingly, with um, none of their writings, their tracts, their publications, uh, even their own translation of the Bible, which we'll mention in a minute. Nothing do they ever, have they ever, had anybody... Um, as author. They've never cited any of the authors of their publications. We know that Charles Russell wrote studies in the scripture, but there's no mention of any of the, I think they said 40 or some, of the most highly esteemed um, Greek and Hebrew scholars in, in the whole world translated their Bible. Okay, uh, But there's no names. And no attempts since the early 40s when it first came out, 1940s. No one's ever been able to pry any of the names out of them as to who wrote. Because they, first of all, you know, it was somebody who was the night janitor. Uh, they, they, They didn't know Greek. They didn't know Hebrew. They didn't know anything. 
they just took English and redid it in English like they to support their doctrines. Um, to jump ahead a bit, one of their main doctrines, of course, is that Jesus is not God. Now, they make no bones about that. They write that very word, worded like that. Jesus is not God, okay? And so what do you do with John 1? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And it actually, in the Greek, I know the Greek, um, sort of, um, it actually is reversed. And God was the Word. It's hotheos. And you can't escape it. Well, Jehovah's Witness translate that verse. In the beginning was the God, uh, was the Word, the Word was God, um, and the Word was a small g God. Okay? Now there's no linguistic authority for that at all. I mean, it's a real, in fact, the book of John in the New Testament. Even John's, I'm a little off here, but John's linguistic style was so simple, it was the see, spot, run kind of sentence structure that the book you studied in introductory Greece, or Greek was John because it was so simple. Um, so anyway... They picked the simplest book, which would really be the hardest to mistranslate because it's so clear and straightforward and simple structure. Um, but that, so they didn't translate it. They just took an English, probably took a King James or whatever, and they just, in English, supposedly retranslated the New World Translation, is what it's called, NWT. And they just translated it or, or rewrote it to reflect their doctrines. You know, that's all that they did. Now, um, <clears throat> let's see here. Again, I, I don't want to go through absolutely every bit of this. Um, now, R Rutherford lasted longer than, um, as a leader, than Russell did. He died uh, in 1942, um, but he was the one who he was a better organizer. He's the one who really got it established, um, and a you hate to say it, but a a very successful business. As of 2017 is so you're you know we're looking at uh, seven years ago, but as of seven years ago, they buy. Um, was it, is it bi it's either bi-weekly or bi-monthly. They publish The Watchtower, and then there's a second magazine um, that they publish. Um, their circulation is 70 million. So they, they have a going um, enterprise. Um, <clears throat> now... Um, Maybe let me shift here a little bit um, to start in, start into their, the doctrines, but first look at their source 
of authority. They just have the New World Translation of the Bible, okay, which that is worthless. Um, second, they have the Studies in Scripture, six volumes. Then they have other statements, sermons, writing. It's kind of like the Mormons. They had several, they have, the Mormons had four official sources of authority for them. And then you had the extracurricular and later changes, interpretations, whatever else, that also were, uh, were treated as authoritative statements. Okay? Jehovah's Witness, similar. Um, they mostly studies in the scriptures, what they really pay attention to, not the Bible, um, even though it's theirs, and they have finagled with it. They're, they weren't smart enough, though, to go, well, let's put it this way. It's pretty tough to get rid of Jesus as deity in the Bible. <laughs> now, that's a major undertaking. So, they were just barely bright enough to pick out the obvious scriptures and change those like they did John 1. But they missed a bunch of them. So even with their own translation, you can prove the deity of Christ, you can prove the Trinity, which they deny. Um, so they, they didn't do a very good job <clears throat> of stamping out what they didn't um, believe. They have also, even with their own Bible, or if you use your Bible to try to talk to them, uh, and I'm sort of back to our discussion we had last week of, is there even any, any point in talking to some of these people? In some ways, Jehovah's Witness is probably even worse because of uh, two um, ways they approach the Scripture. Their, title, their terms for them. One, absurd literalism okay um, Jesus said I'm returning to the Father you'll see me no more well when he said that how, do, how would we as we read that, read that in the scripture in the New Testament take that well we're not going to say that means Jesus never appeared to anybody ever again yeah, because he's invisible. And I hate to do it, but this is so interesting to me and so nuts that I, I can't prevent myself from kind of jump, getting ahead of myself. Um, they believe in the second coming of Jesus. But you, what you don't know, and I know this and none of the rest of you do, okay? Jesus already came back. In fact, he came back in October of 1914. And I'm not sure if I know, but I know you don't know where he is, and I'm not telling. But he's been in, he, Jesus has been here since 1914. He came at 1914, and part of the proof that he arrived in 1914 was World War I. Because he came, Jesus came to earth to begin to establish his kingdom. And that meant that he was going to have terrible opposition from the kingdoms of the world. Okay? Um, now, he didn't really launch his kingdom. Um, they use the term, I don't even know what they mean by it. 
They don't mean the same thing that, that the Seventh-day Adventists mean, but they use the same term. Jesus came in 1914. I don't know if he was really busy with World War I or what he was doing, but it took him until 1918 to really launch the kingdom of God. And in those four years, they said he cleansed the temple. I have no idea what they mean by that. They don't explain it. Um, but he basically was doing something for four years. But since 1918, he's been establishing the kingdom. Now, I don't know if any of you, and we'll get into some of that in a minute here. But I don't know if many of you, and you'd have to go back a few years when they were seemed to be more frequently knocking on your door. It's been a while um, since I've had any knock on my door. But I did a little interview in the office today um, with uh, Pam Kosmicki, the office manager. Okay, Well, Pam's sister and her husband are Jehovah's Witness. Okay? They have nothing. They do not speak as a family. They do not, you know, only if there's a death or something pretty major is there ever any kind of family um, interaction. Okay? Um, but <clears throat> you, you are um, required to go door to door passing out the watchtower and all this. And, but she said the same thing. She said, it seems like it, she doesn't hear that much from her sister that they're doing that. Um, I don't know the reason for that. It may be my imagination that it's declined. I don't know. But she did tell me. I said, um, we've, I can remember we've, lived, we've been in the same house for 17 years or whatever. I can only remember one time, and that was quite a f while ago, that they came to our door. And I, um, you know, I told them we're not, you know, we're not interested. Um, and, but Pam told me, she said, um, I think her sister at that point lived down the street from us. And I didn't know it. She said, my sister probably told them who you were, and so that's why they never showed up again. Because they tell each other where not to go if they got turned down or, or whatever. But through the 80s especially, um, actually it would have been during Reagan and pre-breakup of the Soviet Union, okay? Their tracts were, they just, they just um, beat the drum of nuclear holocaust all the time. Now, the reason for that is they believe there is going to be, in the end times, one last wild, um, you know, um, just blow up, the Battle of Armageddon. And in that battle, every single non-Jehovah's Witness will be killed, okay? And the only people left are Jehovah's Witness, okay? And then, and I, I better back off here because I'm, I'm going to confuse you. Um, <laughs> this is so logical. Um, 
You've heard of 144,000? Well, there's 144,000 anointed ones, special Jehovah's Witness people. They're the only ones that are able to take communion. No one else can take communion. The problem ha has been, he, he, and then I really got to get back on track here. Here's, here's the issue. Russell, before he died, predicted with total certainty that um, the, how did he put it? Anyway, the Battle of Armageddon would happen like before 1925, okay? So he got, he told the Jehovah's Witnesses, you know what I mean, it's, it's right at the doorstep. And so Armageddon and the destruction of the nations, and when World War I first broke out, that was, see, I told you. Um, so they even moved it closer. Well, um, it's now 2024, okay? The prophecy didn't happen. Well, so... Even Russell tinkered with the date and changed it to somewhere near because it was already passed. Then Rutherford, after taking over from Russell, changed it two or three times until the last time they changed it, I believe the last time they changed it, was in the 1990s. They adjusted the date again because Armageddon has not hit us yet. <clears throat> so, kind of interesting <laughs> when you've got to always be um, adjusting <clears throat> your, your prophecies. Um, but back to the way they interpret Scripture. Absurd literalism. And the second is, for instance, uh, one more example on that one. Absurd literalism is there were no more maybe than the, the 11 disciples. doesn't seem that there were very many more that were at the Mount um, of Ascension when Jesus ascended into heaven. And what did the angels say to the disciples at the foot of, the, of this mountain in Galilee? In the same manner in which you saw him go into heaven, only a little handful here, and still and quiet, no trumpets, no nothing, so also will the Son of Man return. So absurd literalism in the way that they interpret it is, okay, that means there won't be any more than 11 or 12 that will know about his second coming. Never mind all of the scripture, the clouds will be rolled back, and the angel, you know, gather from the four winds of heaven. Pay attention to that. Because it's absurd literalism. So only 11 or 12 will know, and it'll be dead quiet. The second thing, and someone may help, have to help me here, um, because I don't know anything about chess. But there is a phrase that is used describing the Jehovah's Witness method of interpreting Scripture. Okay? It's called night, K-N-I-G-H-T. Night, jump, 
exegesis. Now the word exegesis is to draw out. Um, An exegete technically is a teacher or a preacher who gets up and says, let's look at this passage of scripture and draws meanings out of it. Okay, so night jump exegesis. Um, they, me, as far as I can tell, it. They don't mind taking. I'm just making this up, but they don't mind taking um, Psalm 84 verse two, um, the, the first two lines. And Scotch taping that with Luke four seventeen. You know what I mean. And so you got, it, they pay no attention to context. They don't care. Um, it is a t- completely fraudulent way to make the Bible say anything they, w- they want to make it say. Um, so that's another reason why I think it's virtually futile um, you know, to try to trade Bible verses. When, when I can say, I can say to some of you, if we were to not argue, but, but we're exchanging ideas of what we think that verse means, there's a fundamental assumption that has to be um, true of us, and that is that we all agree this is the infallible, authoritative Word of God. Okay? And I, I, I know I'm sort of a cynic, but I don't see any point in talking to somebody that doesn't agree with you on that. This is where I think a lot of, not all the time, but often Christians will quote to, you know, just pagans in our society, quote scripture. They don't care what the Bible says. They have no regard for it. It means something to me. I adjust myself to it. They don't care. So really, we think, boy, I tell you what, I got an AR-15 in the Bible. I've got a bunch of verses. They don't care. It, I think it has no effect on them at all. So um, that's why I think Jehovah's Witness are maybe more difficult to talk to than even some of the other cults because they're so footloose and the way they play with Scripture. Okay, um, <clears throat> now... Let's start at least into their, to their doctrines. The doctrine of God. There's one being called Jehovah. Um, they, they violently deny the Trinity. Okay? They have no use for the Trinity. That is a, that's a doctrine that the devil thought up, according to them. That's a quote. Um, so you have just, you know, you have Jehovah God, and their, their prayers are punctuated with that phrase, Jehovah God, Jehovah God, Jehovah God. Um, <clears throat> he is to them um, an almighty father, but interestingly, they make the, the they, they take away from him, they really don't say, what all of his attributes are, like omniscience, omnipotence, so forth. But they, they go to links to make the point that this Jehovah God is um, not omnipresent. 
weak force. We believe God's, he's everywhere, all the time, all at once, okay? Um, they make a big deal of denying omnipresence. I don't, I don't know completely why. Um, when it comes to Jesus, they have a little bit of a shared thing. And since it came along after Mormonism, I don't know whether they were infected by Mormonism at some points or not, but they, they also believe that the Jehovah God and Mary were the you know, physical parents of Jesus. Remember, Jesus is not God. There is no virgin birth. And Jesus is the highest creation of Jehovah God. Um, so he's above us, but he, he never was deity. Okay? Now, that isn't a new idea. Um, in the threes, 300s um, AD, um, early on, actually, you know, it'd be in the um, third century, the late 200s, there was a guy named Arius. And Arius taught that Jesus was not God, though he was, a, he, they, he said we can call him a son of God, but he was not deity. And he was the highest of all creation, so he was above us, but he's not God. Okay? Well, another of the early church fathers by the name of Athanasius took Arius on, the church wavered somewhat on it, and there were parts of German Christians way up into the six and seven hundreds that still were Arians. But officially, Arianism was branded as a total heresy against the Trinity, and, and um, Arius was, I don't know, I th they sent him off to the Arabian Desert or somewhere. <laughs> they, they would just exile you kick you out. Um, <clears throat> so Jehovah's Witness are Arians. They follow on that doctrine. They follow to a T the, the teachings of Arius that Jesus is the highest creation right under Jehovah God and greater than us but not deity. Now, <clears throat> um, the Holy Spirit is not a person, of course. The Holy Spirit is nothing but um, may the force be with you, <laughs> okay? The, the Holy Spirit is a force. That's all he is. He's just a power that emanates from Jehovah God um, that tries to um, influence people to do his will, okay? Um, but again, the, the, the Holy Spirit is not deity, okay? Um, <clears throat> so, obviously, they deny the Trinity. Totally. It is, quote, yeah, that, here's this quote I wrote. <clears throat> its origin is Satan. Okay. Um, regarding the Trinity. The virgin birth, again, Jesus is the son of Mary and Jehovah God. So, it's, that is just like the Mormons. That he, it was, there is no virgin birth. Um, now, 
Salvation is baptism by immersion and to obedient, be obedient to Jehovah and his theocratic rule um, and you will be saved. And born again does not have anything to do with being transformed or whatever. It is, quote, a realization of hope <clears throat> and prospects for spiritual life, which is word salad. I have no idea what that even means. Okay, um, but so you're not transformed. You don't. Your heart is not changed. That that's not the issue at all. You join. You keep all the rules, um, and they are well. I think in general. I suppose there's exceptions, but. In general, I would say that the Jehovah's Witnesses are worse than the Mormons as far as cutting off friends and family um, to be a part of that church. Okay? Um, if, if you go to, generally, non-Jehovah's Witnesses aren't even allowed into a kingdom hall. Um, but if they do, for a funeral or something like that of a family member. They're non-Jehovah's Witness, but a Jehovah's Witness who can ha died, who can have the funeral in the Kingdom Hall. The family can come, and a case, again, talking to Pam, you have to sit in the back, and there's a glass divider. It's like out at the airport, the security thing. You know what I mean? So you can't, sit up front with the family or whatever. Um, and that's if you're even allowed as a non-Jehovah's Witness to come in the door. There are some cases where that isn't even allowed. Now, um, <clears throat> Christ's resurrection, he did not have, well, let's, let's back up. When he was crucified, when he rose from the dead, he arose as a spirit, not a body. So there was no physical resurrection because his body just was gone. Your body just disappears um, when you die. So he didn't have a body to be resurrected. Neither will we. Okay? Um, so it follows, since Jesus was resurrected with no body, then his return in 1914 was not bodily. That's why it had to be secret, silent, and invisible. So Jesus returned then, um, bore no, nothing of what the Bible reports. Um, and somehow they, you know, they know that it happened in 1914. Now, um, <clears throat> let's see. Here's another thing. Since all human governments, any kind of human government, and all, quote, organized religion, we are all not of the kingdom of God. We're of the kingdoms of this world. Are all slated for destruction. Okay, that's one reason too. That that you know their their buildings are called Kingdom Hall. It's not a church. I don't even use the word church anywhere. 
It's Kingdom Hall. They are they're the spreaders of the kingdom of God, doing their best to push out the boundaries of the kingdom of God in this world um, against any other kingdom. So all countries, if you ever were in school, let's say, with Jehovah's Witness kids or whatever, they don't salute the flag. You know, they won't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, they don't celebrate Christmas. They don't celebrate, um, they don't celebrate any of the national holidays. They celebrate none of the um, ca- uh, Christian calendar. They don't celebrate Christmas at all. Um, and there's another case of, here's another case of absurd literalism. Jeremiah talked about idolaters. And he said, they grow a tree in the woods and they water it and whatever. And then they take it to the carpenter and says he measures it and he makes marks. And then he says he decks it out with silver and gold as a Christmas tree. It's idolatry. So you can't have Christmas. Uh, they don't celebrate their own birthdays. Um, they're also, can't remember which scripture it is, but it's another dumb one that they twist all over the place. And they don't take, you know, transfusions. They won't um, allow, I mean, even to the point of death. You just don't take, I can't remember what the verse they use for that. But it's another one of these that's just stupidly, is that it? Yeah, that's true, that's true. But their soul, yeah, but if they die, of course their soul's gone anyway. You know what I mean? Um, we, we, what do we say? Um, the little graveside services that, you know, I've done a thousand of. Um, you know, we, you know, you say something, the whereas. Um, whereas the spirit, some rituals, the soul of so-and-so has returned to God who gave it. We therefore commit his body, her body, to the earth, waiting the general resurrection and so forth. We understand as Christians, there is, death is not the end of existence. It's a separation of my physical body from the real me, my spirit, okay? Um, they do not believe uh, Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that technically we don't have a spirit. We're, we're, everything's gone when you die. Your body, of course, is dead. And it is, in their words, exterminated. Um, yeah, you may look at it, but it will, it will you know, decay. And your soul also, your spirit no longer lives. So the idea that the body's here, the tent that we lived in, but our spirit has returned to God who gave it, um, they don't believe that at all. They deny all that, okay? Which paves the way for another doctrine, which is annihilation of the wicked. Um, They share that with Seventh-day Adventists. 
that um, the wicked, there is no hell. There is no eternal punishment. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. Jesus said nothing about it. Um, but anyway, and they've got the weirdest ways to try to explain away when Jesus said the smoke of their torment ascends forever. When, when he said, uh, depart from me uh, into the, the uh, lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Smoke of their torment ascends forever. Worm dieth not. Fire is not quenched. He didn't say any of that. He said none of that. I guess. Um, so, now, um, so when it, then when it comes to another thing on, on governments and so forth, um, any kind of, any kind of submission really or honor like the flag or anything like, or serving in the military is all treason against the kingdom of God that since 1914, well, not 14. 18. Since 1918, Jesus has been, and the Jehovah's Witnesses, are working on getting founded. Okay? So, um, generally, of course, when, when the draft is gone, that ceased to be much of an issue. But when there's a, a selective services in force, they either have to do... Um, um, conscientious objector or something um, but even that is to them a form of serving the wrong kingdom so anyway um, <clears throat> I, we're not going to make it but we'll get close here um, <clears throat> let's see um It'd be interesting to even look at today with what we've got going on in the Middle East and the Ukraine and China and, you know, Pacific, what their doctrine is. Because for their teaching, this, this proves their teaching. We're moving towards a holocaust. Um, just hellfire of a battle. Um, and you know, that which they will say is Armageddon. Now, um, <clears throat> when, um, after all of the, after the Battle of Armageddon, and all the kingdoms, all the wicked are dead, gone. Nobody's left but Jehovah's Witness. 144 of them, the, the first 144,000, the anointed ones, they will go to heaven, okay, where Jehovah God is. All the rest of them, um, and I think that there is, you know, I think you can take excursions, field trips, to go see heaven if you want, um, but a new earth will be created, and everybody that didn't attain to the 144,000, we will live on earth. Well, I won't because I'm not Jehovah's Witness. So, um, but I can't go to hell because I'm just, it's just a puff of blue smoke and that's the end of it. Um, annihilation of the wicked. Which another thing, back of that, is a denial of the immortality of the soul. 
we don't have a never dying spirit here that from God breathing into us the breath of lives um, we will just disappear um, <clears throat> now one other thing that um, <clears throat> in my little interview today in the office um, a family member one of the fam- one of Pam's family members she asked what is your hope I mean, what, you know, what do you hang your hope on? Your assurance, your, your refuge, you know? I look for nothing but to, to live in paradise earth. That's the phrase that is used to describe the new heaven, or new, new, new heaven and new earth that will be made. I look forward to living in paradise earth, um, which I am assuming is kind of like the Garden of Eden or something. Now, um, so, so hell and eternal punishment of any kind is completely denied. Um, and as I mentioned, no immortal soul. And also, uh, the devil it will be annihilated. Um, and all, you know, his demons or whatever. The, so anybody that is... Um, wicked, be it spirit in heaven, people here on earth, um, will will just be um, annihilated. They're they're nothing. Okay. Now, you know, I didn't. I think we did pretty good to get through this, for as kind of tangles as is. Um, any questions? It's only four after eight, so we got a minute. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I can't answer that other than here's, or, you know, secondhand, I guess you'd say. Um, they don't really have, they call them elders, but they're not like an ordained minister. They are, I think here again, they're similar to Mormons where you just have, they'll, Mormons will call them bishops, but they, they don't have to be seminary educated or uh, they're, they're, I don't know exactly who selects them, but they don't really have to be, if you qualified. Okay. I think that they, I think that they may have one, but again, the truth of the matter is, and it's kind of hard to, you know, I'm a wonderful human being and I try to be nice, but it's kind of hard to be nice to people that they're that dumb. I mean, it's just the way it is. They're just dumb. And so they have no appreciation for two things, genuine learning and honesty. Um, I mean, when you go through the Scripture and you come out with all of the wacky doctrines they've got, and then you just flat manufacture stuff that Jesus came in 1914, and they know where he is, but they're not telling um, you're dealing with people that they don't need seminary. <laughs> um, and, and I don't think that, in fact, I could say, Dan, I don't, I've ne- I don't think I've ever heard of an educational institution that they, they have. 
I think you are supposed to read the printings of studies in the scripture, things of that sort. But as far as formal education and formal like ordination, I, I don't think they really have that kind of a system. What'd you say? Yeah, and then and then if they wherever they do use scripture, it's a, it's the old or it's an NWT, New World Translation. It has been retranslated and changed. Yeah, yes. Um, several times. Um, I can't remember. I think it's been through um, I think the first one came out in like uh, 46, 1940, right after World War II. And then, like, I think it was redone again in 56. I think it was redone again as late as the 90s. And so they've, um, they have re, redone stuff. And they claim in their own writings that they've never had in the history of, since the first translation of the New World Translation, that they have never had any of the top Greek and Hebrew scholars in the world ever question their translations. <laughs> um, you know, they'll just, they'll just look at you and lie. It doesn't make any difference to them. So, yeah. You don't believe in Christmas, <laughs> but a check could still be nice. Yeah. 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 Um, you know another thing, and I don't know his name, so I hope I'm not. You know, I don't want to get sued for defamation by the Jehovah's Witness. But um, the main guy in town, at least, that used to own. Uh, window window washing. Um, I mean, he'd do the first interstate building, he'd do you know houses, do whatever. Um, was a Jehovah's Witness. And um, when we when we were first down in the old dealership down on Second Street, and then we were here, um, it took us a little while to figure out. We would call and ask if they would come and do you know do our windows. They had little ladders on. No, there's never any, never any explanation, no attempt to make it, you know, to say, well, I'm real busy. No. And it wasn't until, while well, we were in this building, um, tried to call them several times, but it turned out it was because they were Jehovah's Witness. And even to the point of washing our windows and being paid full price for it is helping the heathen, you know. Um, we're not part of the kingdom of God, so they wouldn't even wash the windows. Yeah. Now, is there any, like, uh, you're not supposed to uh, gather wealth or whatever? Or in that, because I think I, I worked with a Jehovah's Witness, and he says, well, why do you work so hard 
trying to make money and save money and it's like, you know, it was almost like it was a sin. Well, I guess I would say this. Maybe maybe he thought that way. <laughs> but um the the top echelon Jehovah's Witnesses um do do quite well. Um and they 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 make a ton of money. They've got a lot of um not as much as um, the Mormons would have, but they own a lot of property. They loan, or they own some huge buildings uh, for their headquarters. They've got the most state-of-the-art printing uh, press, all of that in property that they own in Brooklyn, New York. Um, they're they're a wealthy, a wealthy outfit. Um, so most uh, i don't most of them don't have a problem with <laughs> getting wealth yeah no they're on there there was a guy let's see i think after rutherford died there was a guy named uh i think you would pronounce it nor k n o r r okay and that guy he was through like the 50s and the 60s i would imagine they're they're they got to be who, how many down the road they'd be by now, I don't know. Um, there's something, though. They're way, um, they're extremely closed. You, you don't know who. They, they, they just, they are quite secretive and uh, release very little information, so you don't know much about their inner workings. Anybody else? Okay. <clears throat> um, we better pray and get out of here. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we do thank you for the fact that we know the truth and you've written it in a book and it doesn't have to be changed all the time and it is eternal. And we have found out, every one of us, Lord, who've put our hope in the Word of God and your promises that never fail, we, have, we can prove to ourselves that your Word and your way is true. And so we thank you for that, and we pray that we would be familiar enough with it that we wouldn't in any way be led astray from it. Keep us, we pray, tonight as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.